0: Welcome, everyone, to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I am here with your most beloved co-host, Nathan. How are you doing, Nathan?
1: Hi there. Hello. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Oh, just great as ever. Oh, good. When am I never not great? Is the question.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, every time we're recording, you seem to be doing great. So.
0: Yeah, I just freak out before and after. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but
1: what happens during? During the hour or so. It's uh peak.
0: It's one of my personalities.
1: Yeah, you just thrive during recordings.
0: And that's it. Of course, of course.
1: Well that's what matters. That's what the world sees.
0: <laughs> yeah, the perception is reality. Perception is reality. Mindset is everything. Um gotta channel my Gary Vee for gonna keep going down this path.
1: I see, okay. You
0: know? Maybe become a motivational speaker, be like when I was six, I was six. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: you were probably not six, statistically speaking. You,
0: yeah, you were probably like four, and that's your problem. That's why. But you're... you could overcome it. <laughs> you
1: just need to work harder.
0: Yeah, you just need to work harder. Once I set my head down, did everything, and had three million in fundings, I achieved what I have today.
1: A year later, I was seven years old.
0: I—that was crazy. Opened my my first lemonade stand, sold it for a huge profit. <laughs> <laughs> Flipped it. I just kept flipping businesses. Yeah, it was all seed
1: money. Get it? Because it was lemons.
0: I do. Good. Hilarious. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's <was> actually hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Oh no. Well, is that is that like a hint to start talking about my cool stuff?
1: Yeah, so man, I can talk if you about want to. Cool stuff. Do whatever you want. I, it's h- half your show.
0: That's true. That's true. So I'm gonna take this time to tell everybody about my childhood trauma. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, it took a turn.
0: Um. Which was Ruby. Uh. No. No. All right. And speaking of trauma, uh, <laughs> and the, I've been coding a lot in Ruby. Yeah. That's the lately. life trauma. That's the life trauma. And. As much as I, you know, dislike it, there are some good tools in it. Uh and I discovered exactly one tool that I like so far. <laughs> and it's called Rubocop. Where right, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's like your typical linter, uh except it fixes a lot of problems too. So based on the style guide, it'll just go in make the necessary syntax changes, which is pretty neat, pretty handy. I do enjoy that feature cuz all of my coding is sort of Pythonish in my language when I'm typing, in, typing it in Ruby. And then it'll go in and just completely rewrite the syntax in Ruby form. And then I'll look at it and be like, cool. And then the next time I do it, I could do it a little bit more Ruby and slowly lose my Python accent. Which is what happened to me when I switched over from Java to Python and was writing every single thing in Python in a very Java fashion, including semicolons. Uh, which Python was nice enough to ignore, but the linter was not. Uh, so this is how I'm learning. Uh, so that's, that's kind of neat. This is the one thing I do like about Ruby. And every time that lyncher does that, I look at that syntax and I'm like, this is why no one likes you. This is why you're the, <laughs> you're the only language that has these weird syntactical issues. And, uh, that's, that's all I can do, I guess. So
1: it's yeah. It, for such popular language, it's fairly heavy on syntax. Like, it has a lot of ways of doing things, which is uh, somewhat ironically, considering that I, you know, came of age in the land of JavaScript, but I'm really against things that are you're allowed to do a lot of different ways. It's a real pain. It's they. It took some getting used to, but understanding that, all right, indentation indicates scope in Python, and you don't get to play around with, like, what's on what line and like I'm just gonna put this all on one line because I can, because uh, it's in between curly braces. Or do I put the curly braces on the same line as the parentheses or on the next line? It's like no, those rules are allowed. It's just colon and you have white space and it's significant. Um, but Yeah, Ruby just lets you play around and what do they say? Like write poetry. I think is the is yeah. the approach and um, and you don't need it to be that expressive sometimes. You know, like expressing yeah. your feelings. And it has
0: different syntaxes on how to end block scope. So if you're writing an if statement, you have to end it with the end. But if you're writing an unless statement, which is opposite of if, you don't need the end. Uh, And if you're doing single line ifs, you also don't need the end. If you're doing it next to a statement for assignment values, which is optional. And if you're using the ternary operator, You can't just give it one, which Groovy spoiled me. Groovy is basically like do this. And then regardless of that, you can add this value. Um, and then Ruby comes in and it's like, no, no, you got to define both. However, it cannot be a complex assignment statement in your if or else. Um, even if you brace them, put them in all sorts of weird braces, um, And one new thing I learned uh, during the linting of Ruby is there's two metrics called complexity on like, there's an ABC complexity. Uh, and then there was one about, I, I don't even remember, but both of them basically got mad at me because I had a lot of if conditions, but they weren't nested, they were logically distributed of All right, you got the data back from this API. If it's empty or not correct or whatever, return early then do something if not returnally. And then the app, the Ruby yells at me, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of assignments going on in this one function and a lot of branches. And I'm like, yes, but th- that's to prevent errors. What do you, what do you want me to do? And it's just like, maybe you should move these to a different method. And I'm like, but that wouldn't logically make sense. And it would ruin how the testing and how the logical scope of this function works. And it's like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just, <laughs> there's a lot of branches. Uh, so I just went into the linter configuration and I was like, increase the complexity level. <laughs> and I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So now someone can make actual mistakes and probably yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So long they don't do any like assignments or conditions, but if they just do six levels of nested, if it'll probably not yell at them, Great. unless there is a different metric for the nested complexity. Uh, but yeah, that really bothered me. Cause I was like, I come from an API style of writing and you need to make sure you're always catching your error, especially on like CLIs because at least on UIs you can catch things and throw generic errors. But CLIs are power users and they expect a lot more information. Um, and yeah, just to provide that I have to now break things out unnecessarily um, or just go in and say, no, you're wrong. Um, yeah. So that's been fun. Uh, anyways, it's, Again, the only nice thing and the very handy feature is it just goes in and updates everything. All the single quote, double quote, nonsense, putting things in new line, figuring out ifs and er else and changing them to unlesss, if it makes sense. (laughs) Uh, So that's just kind of cool. I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but Facebook business also loving it. Really cool. Um, It lets you... Post to Facebook and Instagram for free and schedule your posts and see a preview before you even post them on how it'll look. And I w- and it's absolutely free. I was using, I can't even remember at this point, I think I was using Buffer. And if the API changes are wrong or something, they just send you an email being like, hey, couldn't do it, sorry. Uh, but Facebook Business, before you even post it, will just be like, hey, this is not right, or change the image dimensions or something's different. And then when you're choosing hashtags, it shows you how popular certain hashtags are, which is also very cool. So very, very impressed.
1: Other than that part where you said something nice about Facebook. Sounds good.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they want you to stay on their site and give them all the data. Mm -hmm. So they're helping you stay long on their website, which, you know what? Fair. I, if, they, if I don't have to change platforms or worry about API integrations or do any nonsense through HubSpot or whatever, if it all works in the same spot for me, I am way more than happy and it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we got to gotta get all that, you know, popularity for this amazing podcast right. that I've just spent 20 minutes talking RuboCop about. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> So it's important people hear this. Yeah. Um, these
1: are the things the world needs to know about.
0: Everything else they already know. These are the things that don't. Right. You, listener, did you know I hated Ruby? I mean, you may, may if you were listening to other episodes, but um, if you didn't, now you do. And this is important information.
1: I kinda I kinda like that being the th- the new through line of the show is we've gone through like, oh, here's stuff about development, but now it's like you know the stuff about development. Here's the stuff yeah. you don't know. It's exactly. sort of like the and this is the rest of the story. Except Yeah. It's basically just like, Did you know but you didn't? Our personal opinions on all that stuff that you already <laughs>
0: know. That's the important part, you know? I know. And then, yeah. And if they need the proper statistics or overall information, you can check out our kind of fun facts on our Instagram pages. Yeah, or just read the docs. Which are data bagged. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. But... I always link the source at the bottom. Oh, look at you. Yeah. The source is always, I read it on the internet. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll link proper. Actually, nope. So far, it's always been, I've read it on the internet. But... <laughs> I will tell you where I read it on the internet if you DM me because <laughs> I am <laughs> collecting that information. Um, and final, coolest thing I saw that I just saw today, uh, it's, there's a service called F-Off S-Service where it is so... The documentation on it is a million times better than most professional services I've worked with and APIs I've consumed and it works. It works cleanly. It just, it's all just text based. And I get that. And it's probably not even, they probably don't even need a database. They probably are just static string files that they're formatting, but it's just, it's nice to see professionalism in a joke website <laughs> and has so many endpoints too. It just crazy. Um, and how weirdly it's adopted so well. There's like So many forks for different languages and clients already for it because people are like, "Yeah, that's hilarious. Let's do that. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So just respect for the person who was just so annoyed that they decided to create that or were in whatever mood they were because, uh, yeah, we'll probably put that in the show notes, but yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty
1: neat. How neat is that?
0: Pretty neat, I'd say. Speaking of neat things. How was your neat week, Nathan? Yeah, it was super neat. Nathan. Ne- no, don't do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got some, a bunch of stuff here, actually. Um, wow. I know. Uh, got to put off providing actual content and just talk about stuff I want to talk about. Um, mm. First thing, interesting topic. It Well, it falls under the interesting adjective in my list of adjectives. But Epic won in their lawsuit against Apple and now Apple can't enforce that you have to use the Apple payment system which means that now third party developers can say if you want to buy this thing uh, go to our store and then link them to their store and then buy things through that. So uh, I don't know. It seems fine. I understand the Argument from Apple for needing or feeling that it's acceptable to take a cut because they're providing the entire store and the user base and everything to get the app downloaded in the first place. But I also don't have a great strong argument for saying, like, you shouldn't be allowed to link somebody out to your own store and have them buy stuff. So, seems I am kind of like a no op on this, but it's still just a notable thing that changed because. Apple is such a powerhouse with the huge, huge uh, market share that they have in mobile app and devices. So,
0: yeah, in my head, I don't know. It's they're a two-trillion market cap company. It's okay if some indie devs make some money. Right. You know what? <laughs> Just...
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. The only reason why it would matter is if there actually it does end up being some sort of uh, large-scale. A malware issue specifically directing at iPhones that happens mm. because somebody was linked out from the Apple store to some third party store which has been Apple's primary argument for it um, yep. for not allowing somebody to link out so they're kind of like two different arguments why should you take this much from the payments and why should we have to use yours and they're like well because we've done all this vetting to make sure that people who use iPhones have a safe experience and don't download malicious software so they've now lost that control essentially through the app store which um could be a problem but we'll just have to see and okay something frustrating is relevant to the podcast Mm. of the last three episodes we've recorded i've had to use the backup audio twice because when i end my primary audio recording it says yeah you've got you know hour eight minutes i hit save And then I look at the file that it produces, and it's four to six seconds of extremely loud static, and that's it. That's the whole file. So I don't know what exactly is happening with it. Uh, And again, I've been using the same strategy of recording for a while, and it happened once, then it didn't happen, then it happened again. So it wasn't even like two in a row. I don't know what's going on, but I'm hoping it stops happening because I don't really know what to do about it.
0: Maybe your FBI agent is trying to get your attention. Oh.
1: You know, every time that something happens, like I can't explain, it's either a race condition or the FBI agent. So I'm going to go with FBI agent on this one. Yeah. Something cool. You knew it was coming up. I'm going to mention Rocket League. Uh,
0: what? Yeah, yeah, Total yeah. Total yeah. surprise. Yeah.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Uh, so, wow. So <laughs> there was a... Tournament called SMAD, the Salt Mine Atlantic Draft, and the entire premise of it was because no, they haven't been able to have lands essentially since COVID. Um, it's been two years now since I think the last international land. So everybody always wants to see North America play against EU, and they haven't gotten to. So instead of World Championships for this past season, they had the North American Regional Championship that they called. A world championship and did the same thing in the EU. I think they also did South America, Middle East, and um, Oceania. Um, they each had their own, so it was like four separate ones. Uh, but Johnny Boy, who I've mentioned before, organized a tournament, and the whole premise was that he picked managers. There was, I think, six managers from each region. So six from EU, six from North America. I think it was six and then they had to draft the top 20 something players and then put them onto teams and then they would then play against each other in a cross-region tournament to determine seeding, and then based on that seeding, there would be a final tournament to decide who actually wins the whole thing so the idea would be like all the first round matches are all north america versus eu and then based on where you place so it doesn't really matter at that point you're now just playing best of seven games against wherever you fall in this bracket, but North America had a bad time. Uh, they lost almost every single set. Uh, I think they won maybe a, a couple, but they were of of all the teams. the top was entirely eu the bottom was entirely wow. North America North america didn 't have a single turn or a single team go to the next day. So, (laughs) the entire result of this tournament was just EU feeling really good about themselves, which is fun because there's been a lot of this cross Atlantic banter. uh, Mm. And it's always fun if one team just, or one region totally crushes the other because everybody gets super salty and there's tons of copium flying around and it's fun. So, I had a good time watching it. Mm. Uh, And to not drone on about Rocket League too long, I went to Salt Spring Island, finally. I've been in Victoria now for over four years, and I finally went. Uh, Turns out, super easy to get there, and I could have gone pretty much any time I wanted. All you have to do is just get on a bus, and then you get on a ferry, pay 10 bucks for the ferry, and then it's free to come back. It was like the easiest thing ever. Yeah. What? Yeah, apparently, because they're like, well, you got here somehow. Uh, So the ferry ride back is free. And... uh, I took the very first bus ride and the very first ferry to get over there. So it was literally a few cars, me and one other dude on the entire ferry on the way over. I was like, I don't know if this is normal. And then I'm like going on the, uh, I'm waiting to take the ferry back and I see it unloading and people just keep coming and coming and coming. I was like, all right, yep, this is a very different experience uh, to what I had this morning. So anyway, I hiked around Ruckle Park for a day I was planning on camping, so I had like all my camping stuff with me. And then I got to the campsite and it was infested with children who were screaming. So I walked back to the ferry and went home and did not stay the night. So it was still a nice a nice long day of hiking, but I ended up doing it with, you know, a sleeping bag and a tent and a sleeping mat uh pad in my bag when I really didn't need it. But better I guess to have it and not need it than be stuck there sleeping on the ground.
0: Yeah. Also, if it makes you feel any better, I've been on the West Coast for eight years and I still haven't gone to Salt Spring.
1: Well, now you know how easy it is.
0: Now I do. I I now know it's easier to even get, get back because it's free. <laughs>
1: totally free. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is it the same day? Can I come back free next day? Is there they, just no ticket booth on the other side? There's just
1: no ticket booth. Yeah, you just walk on.
0: Oh, you're just like, hey, there's oh, there's a boat leaving. Yes. We should leave everything in it.
1: Yep. Okay. You just walk on. If you have a car, you have to park in the parking lot and then drive on. But as a a human without a car, I just uh, stood there and looked at this old couple who looked like they knew what they were doing. I was like, is there a ticket booth here that I'm supposed to find? Because I was looking everywhere. And they're like, no, you don't need a ticket. They figure you got here somehow, which is where I got that phrase from. I was like, Ah. oh, okay. So then, uh, yeah, I... I went and sat by this ice cream truck for a bit and watched the various residents of Salt Spring be very friendly with each other. Uh, it's a weird little community, but uh, very friendly. So, anyway, I went there. Interesting thing. This is again another Nathan Classic mentioning MKBHD. He ah. did a, st- it's for his studio channel. They did—well, actually, he made this, I guess, a primary one on his own channel and then a back behind-the-scenes, which was much more interesting, on the studio channel. But they did a road trip with three different vehicles, and they wanted to compare what it's like to drive electric vehicles versus gas-powered. So you get like a thousand kilometer or thousand mile uh, road trip, and they—it <laughs> ends up being a fairly interesting video because one person has a very bad experience— And the other two are very similar Uh, so it's a fun video if you watch the behind the scenes one on the studio channel the polished version on the primary channel is is good too but it's just an interesting thing uh anything about electric vehicles and how they fare with infrastructure and stuff right now i find at least mildly interesting even though i don't own a car yet yet someday i will have to i i assume um And the last cool things, I just came across this random Fireflies cover, and it's this guy Mm. playing Fireflies in a cool way on this electric guitar, and I'll link to it, because there's not much else to say about it. It's just cool. But I do have a wholesome recommendation, which is a video entitled A Typical Conversation with My Mom, and Ah. I sent it to you a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. uh, which was, it was good that you enjoyed it, because I was going to be concerned if you didn't. Uh but, I'm a wholesome person sometimes. Okay. This was a video that both my mom and I liked a lot when I was a kid. And so I was pleasantly surprised to see how well it aged. So I am going to share that as my wholesome pick for the week.
0: Thanks. That's it. Yeah, Very it's already awesome.
1: getting dark here. But I, I put one light on, but uh anybody watching the video I'll just slowly disappear <laughs> into darkness. <laughs>
0: You know, slowly disappearing into darkness is how many people feel about their careers.
1: That's a shame. They should do more career planning.
0: They should. It just just sounds like a great thing to maybe even talk about.
1: Yeah, I think we should do that now.
0: Wow. Holy smokes. Would you like to start us off? Because you're already in the dark.
1: That's right. Yeah, I was born in it, <laughs> crafted by it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the... The whole idea of career planning, it's a very fuzzy, broad topic, but it's been on my mind a bit lately, um, which is why I thought it would be a good topic for discussion today. Um, Specifically what I've been thinking about lately is I've been writing or working as a dev, writing code as my primary focus for five or six years now. And I'm at the point that I think a lot of people get to where you have to start picking between like, am I going to start going more managerial type of stuff, stay in the tech, become more of a tech lead type person or switch into a similar but uh, not directly related area of maintaining software. So things like, uh, are you going to become more SRE focused on like reliability and monitoring and uh, making sure the application is highly available and that sort of stuff uh, that's still heavily dev focused but it's much more integrated with an operations mindset than a typical day-to-day dev? Are you going to become more on the ops the DevOps side of things where you're doing like continuous integration and making sure that the systems are staying up and that the the left hand is talking to the right hand essentially. Uh, or are you going to switch something quite quite different entirely and I don't know switch into a different like software development field, say if I was to suddenly switch into game development after doing app development, um, it it gets to a point where uh, you either have to dive really deep or find, I guess, like a new area to play in. And I think I've only got another two or three years of really wanting to keep pace with changing software and maintaining things and converting them into, converting business requirements into application code, Uh, and so I've been trying to plan for that. I'm like, I see that trend coming for me, uh, and I would like to be prepared with options. So what I've been doing as my career planning as of late has been making a concerted effort, which has been apparent on the show, to explore different areas. Do I end up liking something more based on in the infrastructure operation side? Do I like things more related to SRE type responsibilities. What I want to stay more, or would I want to dive really deep into a particular topic and become like the subject matter expert on X? And the decisions I'll make will be based on how I feel about those things. So my point is uh, to start off the discussion is really, you might not know how to plan your career, but if you're thinking about it, having a plan is better than the plan itself. So for me at this point, having the plan is I can anticipate that I won't want to do exactly what I'm doing right now forever. Let's start putting feelers out and see what I might want to gradually transition into. That way I'm hitting the ground running in, you know, two or three years, as opposed to having eight years experience and then being like, I have no experience managing applications running on AWS at scale in real time. Can mm-hmm. I come play with you guys? And then see if they would let me be useless. Uh, it would be much better if I could be useless part-time while still being useful mm. as a full-time developer. So that's kind of been uh, what's been top of mind for me. But there's also tons of steps along the way to get to the story situation. but to just give everybody context on why this was, I was thinking about this. That's what I'm coming into the conversation with.
0: Hmm, yeah, yeah. No, when I, when you presented the idea today, I've been thinking. All right, good. Thinking hard, hard okay. left and right on how I'm perceiving it. So I, I have two train of thoughts. So one is my static that hasn't changed since I basically started in tech, and it's really the roadmap—not uh, a personal one—but how I just view careers in tech, and it's only modified. It's been like added to since I the, the more I learn about roles, and yeah, really like on a broad perspective, I just see it diverging into two roles. Either you stay a dev, execute, plan, do technology side of things, or you become a manager, and then you maintain devs or put them together. So you either are an individual contributor or as a dev, uh, or you're a manager kind of role where you're uh, getting a bunch of individual contributors to work as a team um, to achieve the same goal. And then there's hybrids between there where there's technical managers, non-technical managers. Generally, we've all seen that technical managers are better managing tech teams, uh, and then it's better to have like subject matter experts and product managers or whatever, owners for basically having the type of person for the type of problem
1: mm-hmm.
2: but
0: as far as the the directed audience of the show goes of people who are behind a keyboard a lot of the times uh doing development work um yeah those are like really the two where you either start becoming a more hardcore in-depth developer or you like a more generalist developer uh, or you go into the managerial position, um, and then you start um, looking at getting teams, higher-level plans, converting business into um, into code uh, through people. <laughs> and yeah, and those are the those are the two ones I have had. Um, and then that's where I like keep like um, solutions architect are on the dev side, C- CTOs are on the manager side. Even though they do both do pretty similar things, uh, one is planning how a business idea or problem should be architected, and then the other one architects how the tech will solve it. Um, yeah, and then yeah, and then I for myself, uh, I almost went into an existential crisis of sort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what is my plan? How am I gonna achieve uh, what I want to do? what do I want to do uh, kind of thing Um, because I had a very simple targeted goal before which was make sure you're not doing the same thing two years or a year from now Mm -hmm. that was my goal it was and I loved tech so I knew it would always be in tech and I could just try either different technologies or different industries last year or the year before I went to the gaming industry just for that very reason because I wanted to see what the fuss was all about Uh, was not impressed. (laughs) Uh, uh, And then the year before I switched into uh, DevOps was because I, even though I am in no way a very expert coder, but development patterns became a pattern. They were more expecting, they were more easily identifiable of you get a business problem, you need a place to store it, you put a database, you throw an API, you consume it, you scale it, All those kinds of things. And then there's a whole bunch of challenges there not to take away anything from people who've spent like 10 years perfecting how to scale out applications perfectly or code in Python and know everything about it. Good on you guys. You're the ones I go to when I have questions about certain things. (laughs) Uh, But for me, that wasn't challenging or different enough uh, to continue pursuing. So I went into DevOps because it changes constantly and I'm constantly crying and trying to figure out how to scale the next thing because... If I'm doing my job right I have automated the problem I had and now I must automate something else uh, and figure out how to scale it or whatever Uh, but I started thinking about that today on uh, and then yeah my previous plan was keep make sure you're not doing the same thing and then when you're 40 45 or whatever and you're not absorbing information as quickly uh, become a manager now that you've absorbed a bunch of information over the past years Develop your people-side skills, get smart people to work together, show them that you were smart at one point in your life by showing your work examples, and make sure you get them now to do all the new technology, whatever, and you've seen enough patterns in life to know how to scale these things or build layout infrastructure or whatever. Um, But yeah, I'm not too, too sure right now of how I want to approach my career.
1: Yeah, I'm looking right now. I, I'm glad you mentioned architect because that was the thing I kept getting to the end of the sentence that I was going to say and I couldn't remember <laughs> what it was. I was like, there was SRE, there was DevOps, and there was something else I had, I had on top of mind. And I was like, what was that thing? But yeah, it was software architect because that, that's of the two things that I'm currently considering. It's a lot of site reliability engineer stuff or architect. And I don't know. I might get there and hate either one of them, or I might think this is perfect, exactly what I want to do, but I don't have direct experience with it because I'm spending all my time doing the the nuts and bolts development work. So one of the things I'm hunting for are opportunities to be exposed to those things. And to sort of uh, build upon what you were saying there, I have found myself uh, losing, it's so. What you had said was that you didn't wanna do the same thing for more than a year or two. For me it was like, uh, it's interesting until suddenly it's not. And so a lot of times changing a company either because it went out of business, uh, because I left it, because it was a good idea to leave, uh, or changing teams. Something about the stack has changed at that point. The, The company itself has changed. So there's different internal knowledge base Uh, you can gradually acquire Um, but at some point the curiosity for it's different is not sufficiently like a sufficient um, guide Uh, so at one time I was fascinated by the idea of like all right so there's this front-end framework and it does it this way and then there's this other front-end framework And if you do it this way, it behaves in a slightly different way. It's better for managing data that's this type of approach. Like if you have an application that's primarily behaving in this way, this one might be better because of the way it models its data and does its re-rendering. And this one over here, it allows you to modify the data directly. So it has benefits of like prototyping, but also it might not work at scale if you have too many developers modifying the data. Like I thought that stuff was really interesting. And I'm like, I don't care. Whatever front end framework, as long as it's not Angular One, I'll I'll deal with it. And preferably, I'm not working in a front end framework and thinking about it too much. But everybody uses React in Victoria, so it hasn't really mattered. Um, and then it became, all right, what are a lot of the common patterns that people are using on API development? All right, I didn't. I know you like Flask. I didn't particularly love Flask. But then I end up trying some other backend frameworks. I'm like, all right, these JavaScript ones ain't it. I'm not happy with these ones. The uh, work I've been doing on Django, pretty happy with it. The Ruby on Rails, I found, especially at that time, there was just too much magic involved. It wasn't my favorite thing. Um, But I have seen enough of them now that I'm like, I don't care, whatever the next ORM is that you want me to use, I'll just use the ORM, I'll figure it out, I'll read the docs, as long as it's not like, you know, Jimmy135's custom implementation of an ORM will be okay. Uh, And now it it is. Sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, sorry, Jimmy. (laughs) Good guy. You did a good job. Uh, But now I'm at that point where it is a matter of either looking at big things, big picture, and saying, how do we put all these things together in a way that isn't going to crumble beneath us in a year, two years, three years? And and or all right today today we need this running and if it goes down tonight we need to know and we need to have a recovery strategy like those are kind of the architect and the sre concerns and i don't know which one will be more interesting but i know that they're sufficiently different that i won't be feeling like i'm doing the next front-end framework uh, and reading the docs on that so that's where i'm at with thinking about putting out feelers for what i want to be doing but what, one thing I do want to touch on is like getting up to this point, we've both alluded to how you go through this phase of acquiring a ton of breadth of knowledge in whatever your field is. Because any specific, like even if you just say I'm going to build REST applications, if, especially if you include front and back end, there's so many years of stuff to learn there and you'll never have all of it. Uh, really, unless you commit to like a single stack at some maybe after like two or three years if you've really committed to that stack you'll know a lot more than most people probably need to to be proficient in that stack and you what you get to is not i know everything you just get to that point of diminishing returns and so especially as a junior developer the point of diminishing returns was sufficiently far away and the technologies were replaced that i was allowed to type uh, uh, type code for were changed sufficiently often that it was kind of like exponential curve up 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 and then technology changes you're now working on something else we've decided to pivot to react uh, from angular or up 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 and companies like a business you're now working on flask applications no more ruby um, or that product is oh, if that project's done you're now working on express you're no longer working on flask and then that's done. You're now working on Django. And then at some point, you finally work at a company for two years and you have all this breadth of experience. You're like, this all kind of does feel the same. And so I don't think you need to... Like, I didn't actually do any career planning, so to speak, for the first two or three years at all. It was more or less talk to my managers or my mentors, which I was really lucky. We take we an episode on mentors very early on uh, and how important they are. But those... At that point, I think career planning is just, what should I be doing like this week? What what mistakes have, have I kept making as a junior developer that you guys would like to see me stop making or areas of weakness that you think I have? And you can kind of plan almost in like a couple weeks, maybe a month long block, Be like, oh, I'm gonna spend this month learning more about this particular language that I'm working in or this particular framework that the team wants me to get better at. And then that just becomes part of your job at some point. You've done it enough. That it's like, we don't need to tell you to spend time working on this. If you're put on this team and it's using this framework or this stack, you're, it's expected that you'll figure it out. And at that point, you know, I'm past that point in my career. I no longer need to like plan time or make that part of my improvement strategy is to learn the specifics of whatever technology I'm using.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Like Anybody who's less than two now but before it was like anybody less than three to four years of experience when they were like uh, or people who are like fresh out of college or trying to get into tech uh, anytime they were just like oh yeah I don't particularly like this part of the development cycle or whatever I'm always just like you're way too early to be choosing specialities mm. there is so much such a broad, like broad information you need and you will need it like n- I didn't do a lot of React development, but knowing how the framework worked, how language, how it stored, how it rendered, how the build process worked, helped me build it properly and build the backend and all those. Uh, and having like good project scoping capabilities for when I was trying to do solutions architecting or whatever on how long something will take, as opposed to generally what the you know, project manager approaches is to, you ask your developers how long it'll take and then you have that and then you tell that to the client. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what pretty much every project dev- manager I've like talked to casually. have told me they're just like, yeah, developers always overestimate and then they always do that and then they commit to the clients, which pisses off the developers. So starting off developers don't do that. And then once they get enough of that, then they start putting out longer timelines. So if everybody was just honest, it would be great, but that's not how the real world works.
1: Oh my goodness. Uh,
0: every every good project manager I've known have just been like, yep, they always overestimate. Unless they have like that one or two devs they really trust who they'll just be like, okay, how, how long it'll exactly take and what should I tell the client? And then you have that conversation. But for the most part, every project manager reduces the timeline that you've told them because they think devs are just overestimating. Uh, anyways, this, this not is horrible touching horrible news. The... <laughs> <laughs> this, is me,
1: this is why they don't only we talk to people, and why I won't be going into the management field. Because I'd be like, yeah. dev said six weeks. Like it's to changing API endpoint. It's like code, so it returns a, a two hundred four instead of two hundred. Like, I don't know. That's what they said.
0: <laughs> That's what they why mean. would they lie to me? They would never. <laughs> Instead of, okay, I just need to no know content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like even, even stuff like that, right? Like knowing all these different things. So yeah, there's a lot of breadth. And then you start, that's the thing about programming. Once you start seeing too many patterns, um, they get boring. A lot of people who are into programming who love it and do it for the fun of it um, are people who get bored easily on average. Uh, and programming is always challenging enough where you have 90 percent i hate myself and ten percent i'm a god (laughs) complex that just just enough to balance out you from um i don't know going depressed or being sad even though i'm sure a lot of people in tech are depressed (laughs) anyways not not gonna touch that for many reasons uh but doing it next week (laughs) maybe next week yeah uh let's talk about depression uh but but yeah, and that's where the career development or paths are sort of questionable. Like even now, I so the big shift I've noticed is how it shifts from your mentors and people you're talking to developing or like gearing up the career path for you to you being a lot more responsible for it. That's where really the path starts taking the more and more independent ownership you take of, okay, these are the paths I'm lacking in or these are the paths I'm really good at, um, both of those end up causing scenarios where you are—you might even be having like a completely crazy switch of responsibilities. Because if you're really good at something and you just want to continue doing that, uh, A, you might even get bored, or if it's different industries, like you're really good at scaling applications and now instead of scaling web servers, you're scaling game servers or chat bots or whatever. Um, you may enjoy that more. And then now you're a complete different skill set selling person than you were when you were just scaling web apps. Um, But figuring out your weaknesses after a certain point becomes hard, not because you've lost all humility, but because you don't have enough exposure. Like after a while, the mindset just shifts into, if I just have enough time to do this, I'll probably be good at it or I'll either like it or hate it. And that's, that's where I feel like I'm at currently right now. I, I want to try different things. I want to learn and grow, but I'm also like if just give me a certain problem or a challenge to solve. And then I'm sure that'll show me a bunch of holes in my knowledge. But until that time, if I'm keep, if I keep doing similar things as I've done before, I'm really not going to feel there's any huge weakness or gaps. It'll just be, well, how much time do I have? Do I have enough time to do this properly and learn everything? Or do I have to get somebody to do it with me because they are better at it than I am? And it's not necessarily a missing skill set I need to really fulfill. Uh, it's just whatever's needed to get the job done. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, our lead architect picked up a front-end ticket the other day while I was away and (laughs) he wanted me to review the code when I got back because I took a week off. And uh, I looked at it yesterday and all of it was fine, but he used, it's TypeScript and he used a a type assertion where you just use the as keyword. So essentially you're like, this is my data as whatever. And I was like, hey, we need to not use this because it essentially gets rid of all type safety beyond this point. Um, You could essentially say, like, this number as string, and TypeScript goes, all right, that's what you told me to treat it as, I will treat it as that. So, like, you just lose everything. And it it was just really satisfying because he's, I never get to answer any of his questions uh, because he's been writing the code at this company for six plus years. So he's deeply familiar with not only the company but the technology itself, and he wrote the code. So... I never get to answer his questions. But when he's just like, I, I fought with this for like 90 minutes. I can't figure out how to get the lint or TypeScript to stop yelling at me about the types. And I was like, all right, here's your two main options. And you like gave him, gave him the options. He's like, all right, I want the second one. He's like, all right, this is how I would do it. And then, <laughs> I don't know, half an hour later, he messages again, just like, let's get on a call. I've got some more type issues. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, so this is a this is thing. Like, no matter how much, how good you are at other things there's always those areas that someone with nine months of experience might be better than you at because you've never spent any time on it and so for him he got to have that 80 80 90 i hate myself and then 10 percent at the end he's like this is the best oh this these type hints are so helpful it's like yeah man like they they can be <laughs> sometimes um and just it's a good reminder uh, it was one of the things again that got me thinking about this it's a good reminder of uh his career path was to become an architect and didn't overlap much with front end stuff. And then I've started in this quote unquote full stack web app developer role that everybody seems to want right now. And I want to move in that direction. And it's not like all the knowledge I have becomes useless, but it's also not all going to be relevant. And that's fine. Uh, Whereas I think before, even two or three years ago, it might've bothered me. I'm like, Oh, that, I spent all this time learning this thing seems kind of like a sunk cost fallacy I'm like yeah it doesn't really matter like it's fine people are happy that you know some stuff and if you know stuff and they never ask about it that's fine too
0: yeah and and you know it changes from very much the most cheesiest thing I could say but it changes from how to why as you grow in your role like you Instead of just knowing, okay, I know how to change these types. Uh, The more senior or pattern observant you get, you understand the why. You're like, okay, this is what the pros and cons are. This is what affects. And then you make those bigger decisions of choosing languages, frameworks, or whatever. And that's what really starts setting you apart for your career growth and planning. Um, Because somebody who knows how to use async IO library really well, because they're a junior developer and they've done a bunch of threading work, might not fully understand the underlying concerns of the fork at the C level and how you might be wanting to use a threading instead of async IO because it looks cooler or newer and how you may want to avoid multi-threading based on how you're, however you've spawned your processes. And if they're sharing the memory or not, because they don't care about that. They're not going to look at that. They're just like, I spawned a billion threads. It all worked. It's all cool.
1: I have a no. perfect example of something that if if I were more curious about the specifics of things I would have re- read about by now, it's WebAssembly. I ah. have had WebAssembly in the back of my mind for three and a half years. And I'm like, if it ever comes up, I guess I'll learn it. Uh, because I read the Hello World and I'm like, I get it. And I don't have a use case for it. So I just don't use it. And I figure if I ever have an opportunity to use it, It'll probably be cool, but at the same time, I don't care. Like I get it. You're running a subset of JavaScript that can kind of compile down to a version essentially of like running C in the browser. You're like, cool. It goes real fast, you know, JavaScript go burr. And that's about it. Like you just remove a bunch of options so the compiler can optimize away a ton of stuff and now your application goes faster. Neat. Uh, and the same thing with, um, Oh, they're not threads. Uh, What are they called? There's uh, web workers where you're like, yeah, you can just send off a bunch of data to go be processed elsewhere. And whenever it's done, it comes back. Like, Okay, I get it, but I'm not using it. No app I've worked on has used it. So I don't need to know it too in depth. I've done the hello world made sense. And that's about it.
0: Yeah. And then in the future, if you're designing an app where a business problem does, you know, allude to that, you could just be like, Hey, I remember I did some weird concept in this one-off language a couple of years ago. Wonder if that's still a thing as opposed to someone new who's done a lot of other things, web app. And then they're like, Oh, I don't know how to like cache data on the client side when they don't have internet. And you're like, what about some service workers? They're kiddo. And they're like, Whoa, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Uh, Yeah, so, and yeah, maybe that's where the career, I mean, there's clear defined, sort of loosely defined, like, set of where you are at your career and where you want to be, like, at the very umbrella level, you have your junior, intermediate and senior. I was—I forgot the word intermediate for some reason. Um,
1: <laughs> they're the most forgettable group.
0: Yeah, they—they really are.
1: It's really sad. The way you—the uh, way you actually get out of intermediate is not by moving up to senior; it's by just becoming a software developer. And then nobody yeah, knows.
0: Nobody knows. How are they going to know? They're not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have the—the the bigger distinction of like junior uh, knows how to sort of execute but they need some help and depending on how much help they need they'll either be a junior junior intern or a junior developer and then you have your intermediates who can execute things but need help planning, looking at the bigger picture overall things they're really good at execution uh, and can work as independently once you give them something and then you have your seniors figuring out everything planning things for weeks months if not years and giving it out to all the intermediates and juniors, and then directioning intermediates for any weird language specific thing they might know because they've also suffered through the intermediate phase. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then you have your C-level people who are just like, I have this cool idea and a bunch of money. And then the rest of the three does the things.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think for me, it was the clear, the clearest transition was from junior to intermediate. It just became obvious at some point And I'm like, I know too much to still be considered like the entry-level developer. Mm. But then it's been super fuzzy moving through Intermediate because it's such a broad spectrum. And so at this point, I personally consider myself like a late-stage Intermediate. But I could have been a senior at some random company like a year or two ago, and I would have felt weird about it. But some companies consider that. And other companies would be like, You don't have a decade of experience. Of course, you're not a senior level developer. So it's such like a broad thing. Um, But there's a level of... I I don't even want to say confidence because I constantly have this uh, feeling of inadequacy. But there's a knowledge of some level of competence that I have that has increased dramatically through like the middle phase of being an intermediate. Where I'm like, all right, I am sufficiently... Like on the upper end at this point of what I feel, I, f- I feel okay when people send me senior level job postings now, as opposed to bef- like two years ago, it felt weird. I'm like, is this an accident? Why, why are you doing this? Um, whereas now I'm like, okay, I could see this being like early stage senior level roles and feel okay about it. But it's been very fuzzy by comparison, whereas exiting junior was kind of like, all right, you don't, you've gone from knowing essentially nothing, to you know something, you're an intermediate now, congratulations.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the inadequacy feeling will hopefully never go away. I was reading some study on how people who have the imposter syndrome never really goes away because that's what keeps them to be better. It's just you learn to identify and manage it. Um, or you wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and be like, are you even good enough to have imposter syndrome <laughs> <laughs> and really and then, drive yourself? Yeah, re-
1: recursive definition kicks in. You've just got stack overflow <laughs> and you go back to bed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. <laughs> and I think at that point that becomes like a company or whatever scale you're working at. Like uh, sure for a mid small sized company, I could be easily a senior. Um, but I'm currently at Amazon, and there's no way in hell I match with any of the seniors I work with. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and they, yeah, these people have like 10, 12 years of experience, and not even just normal 10, 12 years of experience. They've had experience like scaling up Twitch. I I don't even know how they did that. Why <laughs> would, like, there's so many servers involved, so many big decisions they made, and the guy was talking to me about like, oh, you've probably heard of this like video encoding thing. I was like, no, I didn't. Why would you assume that? Who hears that? I don't even remember it at this point. He's like, oh yeah, it's pretty cool. Basically data never touches the hard drive, just keeps getting encoded through the servers of the fleet and keeps streaming and all that. We have just giant ramps and this is the way it changes this little thing about the assembly. And then we have these little processors that decode and codec these things. I was like, cool uh, I, I'm happy you know this, uh, <laughs> so it's not like they like just did app development for like eight ten years, and mm-hmm. then they immediately were just like, yeah, I'm a senior now who can make these things they're they've doing like extremely complicated things for a decade and just be like, yeah now I'm gonna scale this random AWS service to s- support a hundred thousand users or something and I'm like, okay, you know what you can do that you should do that I I don't think I should be trusted with that kind of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but then my previous company, I was—it was questionable for people to be like, "Is he not a senior?" Uh, because of just the the type of the work and the department, it's all relative at some point.
1: Yeah, if uh, a junior has ten minutes of experience and your media has thirty, then you with your multiple years, <laughs> you're basically a god.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's where it sort of depends. But, like, yeah, I think the big summary on, like, the career development is just, like, yeah, you go from how to do things to why you're doing things and how you can connect them. And then once you move away from just figuring out how technology problems work and you can figure out how to translate business and real-world problems into scalable technology solutions... I suppose that's when you've made it, uh, whatever it is, and whatever those business challenges are. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I'd, I'd be curious to hear what other people think, like what the what stages are that qualify growth and all that. Screw the matrices they have at corporate <laughs> companies. You know, like this is the level of developer you are because that's how we dedicate salaries. Like, let's let's talk on a more like interpersonal level. You know, it's like how how these things work how we think about impressions
1: yeah yeah it's been uh, it's been this has been good yeah. i've just basically given myself an excuse to think aloud and record it while talking to my friends so <laughs> it <works> yeah
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah at this point i i like i started off with no notes i'm surprised i even had that many thoughts about this uh but yeah it's it's a lot of I think I'll I'll probably come back to it once I'm through my existential crisis of what should I do with my career. But Mm -hmm. I know for a fact in the short term, it is soak up how to do things at a ridiculous scale uh, and then maybe think about industries or type again. Because one of the things I do want to do before my brain stops working is learn how video encoding works over internet. Like how does Netflix do it? How do they do it? There's so much data. So I, I can't even stream data properly from my living room <laughs> server to my TV <laughs> without it, like, losing compression and whatnot. Uh, how do people do it? It's, it's not like TeamView or something that's one computer to one computer. It's gigabytes of data they're transferring every second. And it, it's not even like they can cache it in individual places or whatever because they have per-country laws on where the data can be. So they have to really figure out how to get it all across the globe. And that just, it just blows my mind. I just really want to figure out how to do it.
1: Yeah, these are the types of things that I have become sufficiently interested in. I'm like, this is what I want to be learning about. I don't don't care about Django REST framework. I I am much more interested in these larger problems that I've not seen at all. And I need to now be seeking out Opportunities that give me those uh, chances for exposure, because you don't just find them at a random startup in Victoria, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: I've heard RDS is hiring and Amazon, <laughs> just <laughs> on a scale.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've might uh, <laughs> have something in my inbox about that. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, do you have any thoughts and/or closing thoughts about this?
1: No, nah, I'd just be me talking about myself some more and.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, nobody wants that. So. No, exactly.
1: If you got this <laughs> far, what the heck? I guess I guess they did want me to talk about myself. And they Damn. probably just want to hear more about Rocket League. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, if you are a dev or know anything about this career or just want to rant with us, hit us up. Because you can see we're very lost. Uh, so we can all be lost together.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Great. What are you going to do better?
0: Uh, or what did you that's true I corrected it this time thank you Uh, what I did do better is started the social media posts our Instagram and Facebook starting I think a day before or two before September has had consistent posting so all of September guaranteed will have a post a day if not more than one and I'm really hoping to keep this going my goal is 90 days now uh, yeah. So until New Year's, we'll have just all sorts of stuff on our wall every day.
1: Yeah. By the time this comes out, there will be three weeks of content for yeah. listeners to go check out.
0: And some I... of those are good may-may's. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, <laughs> I I did I did laugh at at least one of them so far.
0: Yeah. So yeah, putting putting some effort there. Uh, feeling good about that too, because I I hated having a emptyier page, and I've been wanting to do that do make it look look a little bit better. So I think I'm somewhat achieving that goal now. Instead of just keeping it all yellow with long captions, uh, now it's multicolored with long captions. Uh, once I can figure out how to do video posting on on a scale, on figuring out how properly edit things. Uh, Life will be good. Life will just be better and best. Mm. Uh, And that's what we do here. We do be that way.
1: We do be that way. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, and then I did that. And as for sprees, I've also had a meditation spree going now. I've been consistent for 15 days now, according to my whiteboard.
1: That's more than a fortnight. (laughs) Fortnight.
0: Yeah. And I've been doing them like pretty much, if not once, twice a day. And like before I would like drop off on weekends and just keep them on weekdays and stuff. But I've been staying consistent throughout the weekend, which is crazy, 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 crazy. Um, I think I I do notice the effects. Um, Even when I'm having a complete crisis, my brain's like mostly still calm. It's like, yeah, all of these things are happening, but they're it's just happening kind of thing instead of being like, Oh my God, all my focus is on this. I can still listen to music, focus on coding, do some self deprecating humor, go back to working. It's just, it's working. It's dead, dead. Um, so I'm like, I'm liking that. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, for doing better, I'm going to continue the posting. Hopefully I don't fall off the wagon there. Uh, To make sure I don't, I just schedule them a week in advance so that even if I have a busy week, hopefully they all go through. Um, And I'm going to start creating a list of guests to get on the show because I want to get other people talking about themselves. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm going to start looking at that. And nothing else in doing better, honestly. Just going to get over whatever I'm doing Right now, <laughs> I have to figure out what I am doing, really, because uh, I, I feel quite lost there. Uh, but once I do, it'll be over for all you haters, uh, wherever y'all are. Because are.
1: as we know, as of we all know, the people who are listening to the show, it's mostly the haters. It's Especially this far into the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're probably just like, looks. Get a lot of these idiots, and they'll just keep listening, you know.
1: Yeah, this guy's sitting in the dark. This guy's just having an existential crisis. Lame. (laughs) Uh, So I have some things I actually did better here. Uh, I was going to transition myself into this Rocket League point, but now I can just bring it up directly, which is I won a platinum standard Rocket League tournament for the first time because I got paired up with these guys who were clearly diamond level and I was in diamond level in standard which is 3v3 for a while Uh, and then I wasn't. I had a bunch of people who kept going AFK or or leaving the game a minute and a bit in after we got one goal scored against us and it's really hard to win if you keep having people who are AFK or leaving matches early and then it's also really hard to get back up the rankings unless you're much, much better than everybody else in the lobby. So I've been sitting in plat for a while. But these two guys came in. They were clearly better than most of the people we played against. So they kind of just carried me through the first two rounds. And then I think by the quarterfinals, they were like, oh, he's not actually terrible. Uh, and they stopped cutting me off constantly and um, like taking the ball all the time. And... So I got some good passes in, got some good shots, and uh, it was a lot of fun, which that was the main thing. I was pleasantly surprised at how fun it can be playing with randoms if the randoms aren't terrible, which is what, unfortunately, is the common uh, result of pairing up with randoms. I uh, fixed my, so this is a did bad and then did better all in one. I did bad because I had a really bad sleep schedule for my week off, and then I did better because I fixed it. So wow. uh, it's, it's like what you've taught me, which is you just cause a problem and then fix it and only – oh, I messed it up. I only, I was supposed to only talk about the part where I fixed it. Oh. Uh, but I suppose nobody else can ruin my sleep schedule other than me. So people will yes. saw through that. Uh, I had a very wholesome call with my grandma. So this was lovely. Hmm. Uh, it was one of the funniest phone calls I've ever had. And it was, I think, 40 minutes of just chatting with my grandma because it was her birthday – a week or two ago uh, and it was my birthday a week before that so yeah I called her for her birthday chatted and she's just giving you know giving me perspective on life she just turned 86 and uh telling me how like you know when you get to be her age it's a matter of the enjoying life and having a positive attitude and all the kind of stuff that you just want to hear from your grandma so it was uh a lot of fun and I'm I'm always unsure of what what's going to be like when I call my grandma because we don't talk very often. I rely a lot on being able to see a person and see what they're like. So I'm just like talking to a voice that I haven't talked to in a long time. I'm like, "How's this going to go?" But it was great. And last thing, for my did better, was I started accepting job interviews again. So. My, I'm fine with saying this because my work knows about it. (laughs) Uh, Not that I expect anybody to listen to this, get to this point in the show, and then go run tell them. But uh, I did the same thing last year in the summer, where as soon as I was a bit unsure about what was going on at at work, I started doing some interviews. So again, at this point, seeing what's going on out there, and it's one, good practice. I've found that it's been useful to do this sort of thing once every year anyway, Uh, But it's also just been fun because, again, things are starting to be more open. I'm seeing my friends a bit more often than I was. But it is just nice to have conversations. So it's not as lonely as it was last year when I was having my HR calls just to have somebody to talk to. But it still does kind of feel that way. So I've had like three HR screening calls this week, and they've all been a lot of fun. Uh, So doing that. And something I did not do better, though was I responded to all the recruiters, but I did not re- message more girls on Tinder. So I didn't even have that in my do-better. I just kind of just stopped doing it again. Uh, I don't even have it in my do-better for next week. And just whatever, we'll see. Uh, things that are in my do-better is to keep interviewing. I need to stretch more. I really just didn't do any stretching on my week off for some reason. And uh, it's not good because I'll feel better if I stretch more often. I need to keep an eye out on relocation options. So the thing about rentals is uh, right now, or apparently ever in BC, they're listed for like 45 seconds and then they're taken up. So really at this point, all I'm able to do is go online and see things that are no longer available. Uh, (laughs) But it does give me a sense of pricing, uh, locations that are consistently popping up, that sort of thing. I've reached out to a couple, nobody's gotten back to me. Uh, even though it was like within a day. So I thought maybe there'd be a chance. But uh, I haven't got anything back so I'm just gonna keep trying and that's really all I can do at this point. But I know I need to get out of here. At least we're heading into the better part of the year for this particular apartment. It's not gonna be as hot, as loud, etc. But that's short-lived so I should take this as a sign. I think it's about time I got out of here because I've been saying it for a couple of years. So that's that.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I look forward to you moving to certain places, um, that rhyme, but the, the words that are not real, Yeah. mancouver.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, mm, yes. If I find any places that rhyme with that, I will be sure to consider them.
0: Wow. Then you should really, really look about Hernaby.
1: Okay. All right. If anything rhymes with Hernaby, <laughs> I will give it a strong consideration.
0: It's. I've heard it's where all the cool people live. Just saying.
1: Okay. <laughs> the people that rhyme with pool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great
0: and if any of you live in one of those places uh tell your friends about this podcast because we're cool people and anything said on this show is a fact so nice i love
1: how that works